So we uh, started this series talking about, as we head into Christmas, there's two kinds of people that we meet at Christmas. There's the kind of people that look forward to Christmas, look forward to everything about it, look forward to the season, look forward to the parties, look forward to the gatherings, look forward to the stuff, look forward to the silliness. And there's people who can't wait for it to be over. They look forward to, to, for the end of the season to be completely over, right? Because it's, it's just a painful reminder that there's someone not go- who's present. There's someone who's not going to be present. There's someone who hasn't been present for a while. I mean, there's just all these things. Sometimes it's a reminder my life's not as great as, as I want it to be at Christmas. But on December 22nd, there are two kinds of people. And no matter which one of those you are, there's only two. On December 22nd, there's only two. So we're going to figure out where you are. There are the people who have bought all their presents, wrapped all their presents, ready to roll for Christmas. And, um, and it is all downhill from here. Then there's the kind of people that haven't bought all their presents, haven't wrapped any of their presents, aren't ready for the family gathering, haven't cooked the food, aren't ready for the church service, frantically wondering where in the world the year's gone because you only have two days to get everything ready. Now, if that's you, be honest, raise your hand. That's what I'm talking about. And the rest of y'all, come on now. All right, so here's the thing. And this is what we do. Most of us, a lot of us, every year we get this frantic time. It's the week of Christmas. We, all these things are going on. And we go, you know what? Next year, it's going to be different. So, I'm going to go ahead and save you the trouble. If you're going to say that, this is only how it's going to work. You better start in January. <laughs> Otherwise, it ain't going to be no, December 22nd. You'll be going, oh, my goodness. All right. And so, next year is going to be different. Next year, I'm not going to rush. Next year is not going to be frantic. Next year, I'm going to enjoy it. Next year, when I see something I think someone wants for Christmas, I'm going to get it, even if it's February. Even if I think they'll grow into it. Even if I hope they'll grow into it. That's what I'm going to do next year. Next year is going to be different. Next year is going to be better. Next year, I'm going to stop and enjoy the season, which is great until next year comes, and you're frankly trying to finish everything that you need to do. Here's what I'm here to tell you. That is not how Christmas was intended to be. The story of Christmas is not this frantic search for the perfect gift, this this frantic pace to get everything done in a certain amount of time, right? The story of Christmas is about the arrival of Jesus in our world. And I've said this every week, and I'm going to say it one more time. Christmas is not about who's not here. Christmas is about who showed up in the world. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is not about worrying if the gift's going to be perfect. Christmas is about the perfect gift that arrived in the world. That's what this season is all about. That is all that it's all about. And Isaiah, in a time of chaos, in a time of darkness, prophesied 700 years before the arrival of Jesus that he would show up. And he says this in Isaiah chapter 9. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called a, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. Jesus, we have all these descriptive terms that describe who Jesus is. They're not his name. They are the names of Jesus, but they, are, they describe his character. They describe his provision in our life. And so today we're going to look at those last two because they kind of fit together. 
And we're going to look at our everlasting father and our prince of peace. Because I'm telling you, whatever you think you need for Christmas this year, all you really need is an everlasting father and a prince of peace. That's all you need. You don't need anything else. Everything else will take care of itself. And so when we kind of, and so if you've kind of been with us for the past couple of weeks, you understand that these terms don't exactly translate exactly the way we think they do. And we'll talk more about that in just, in just a few minutes. But, and so here's what you need to understand. When we see the term everlasting father, this is what it means. It means that Jesus is our forever dad. That's what it means. That Jesus is our forever dad. Now, there's a difference in a father and a dad. And I know you're going, well, it's the same thing. It may be the same human being, but relationally, there's a difference in a father and a dad. The relationship with the father is pretty formal. It's not personal. It's, you know, it's, it's really structured. The relationship with a dad is pretty loose. It's very relational. It's very loving. And so Jesus established himself as our forever dad, which basically means that he's established a forever relationship with humanity. That's what this means, that Jesus came to establish a forever relationship with humanity. That's, that's the story. That's what Christmas is all about, right? And so this is, this is how that comes about. This is John chapter 1. This is John's version of the Christmas story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In other words, John says, long before the earth was formed, long before God created anything, long before the angels showed up, long before the wise men traveled, long before Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, long before we were a thought, God's plan for the world was Jesus. That Jesus would come and establish a forever relationship with humanity. That was the plan. That he would establish a covenant with, with, with people. Where God and man could, could be in the, operate in the same place. This is what verse 14 says of John 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So when I say Jesus established a forever relationship with humanity, this is how he did it. He chose to live as a human being. Now, he was fully God, but he was fully a human. And uh, we might have talked about this. I don't remember if we did or not. But So you have to understand, because sometimes we get really caught up in this, well, he was, he was a human, but he was... He was God, and so I remind. I want to remind you, if I if we didn't, if we did talk about this, what a professor told me once. He said, "What do you do when you get tired? We take a nap. So did Jesus. What do you do when you're hungry? We eat. So did Jesus. What do you do when you need to take a break? You take a break. The Bible's full of Jesus taking a break. He was 100% a human being. At the same time, he was 100% God." present in creation. It's really, uh, it's a tough thing to see. And so Jesus came into the world as fully God and fully man to establish this relationship as a forever dad, right? That he would 
that we could relate to him on a personal level. Level. He's not like the father that you can't approach. He's absolutely approachable. It's like a dad. And so we're going to look at some attributes that Jesus provides for us and as a dad, as our forever dad. And here's the first thing is exactly that. Jesus provides for us. That's exactly what he does. He provides for us. Because that's what a good dad does, right? A good dad provides for his kids. A good dad provides for his family. A good dad takes care of his family. A good dad puts his family above himself. A good dad gives his kids not necessarily what they want, but what they need. See, there's two kinds of parents. There's the kind that gives your kids everything you want, and there's the kind that gives your kids what they need to survive and live and thrive. If you spend your life giving your kids everything they want, one day they're going to want something they can't get on their own, and you have and you spoiled life for them. If you provide for them what they need, they will learn to live a life to provide for themselves along the way. That's what Jesus does for us. He provides for us. He provides uh, all these things for us. He, he, he provides everything that you need. He gives you what you need when you need it, exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. Not more than we can handle, not more than we can bear. Not too much to process. While God's blessings are abundant, in the moment, it's just what we need when we need it. So think about this. Think about, these are the things that Jesus does for us. He provides guidance in tough situations. He helps us make difficult decisions. He comforts us in times of heartache. Um, he gives us an opportunity to make a difference in his kingdom, for his kingdom. He provides people who come beside us, encourage us, support us, who teach us, who lift us up. In other words, Jesus provides people who make us better and make your life better. He answers our prayers. He gives us faith to stand in the storms of life, and he gives us strength when we can't go on. He provides everything we need, not just to survive, but to live and to thrive on this planet. Everything we need. Jesus, as our forever dad, provides for us. There's nothing. If you need something, he'll provide it. Now, sometimes we need stuff because we've made a mess of our lives. And what Jesus does is he provides the blessing in the way that we can handle the blessing, if that makes sense. Here's, here's what I'm saying. If you can't handle money, he's probably not going to give you a whole lot of it. If you can't handle 100 acres, he's probably not going to give you 100 acres. If, you can't, if you're not going to provide for a big family, he's probably not going to give you a big family. But if you can, he will. And he will bless us in ways that, that are unimaginable. Because he is our forever dad. But beyond that, as our forever dad, we also understand that Jesus loves us. My favorite thing to talk about, that Jesus loves us. So I'm going to read this to you. This is, this is uh, from 1 John. It says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So let me read that last verse again. This is real love. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. How do I know Jesus loves me? How can I say that with confidence? Well, this is what I know. Jesus was in heaven 
and chose to come here. It's kind of like if you lived in a mansion and you chose to go live in a shack. Nobody in their right mind would do that. But he did. He, would, he lived in a place where the streets are gold, and he came and lived in a place where streets were paved with blood. He lived in a place that was perfect, and he came and lived to a place that just had this awful stench to it. And I'm talking about the earth compared to heaven. Lived in a mansion, chose to live in a shack. How do I know Jesus loves you? Because he chose to leave heaven when he didn't have to. Well, he didn't have a choice. The Bible's clear. He has lots of choices along the way. If you study the life of Jesus, he has a choice up until the cross. He chose to love us from heaven to Bethlehem, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, to the cross, to an empty grave, and back to heaven. He loves us. And the other thing about love is really interesting because his love's not fickle. His love has no boundaries. He loves you from the moment you were born. He loved you as much as he will ever love you. The moment you were conceived, he loved you as much as he could love you. The, before your parents knew you, they were going to have you, or even thought about having kids, Jesus already loved you. Before you were thought, Jesus loved you. Before you took a breath, Jesus loved you. And up until the time you take your last breath, regardless of the decisions you make in your life, regardless of your choices, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do on this planet that, that will make God love you less. And there's nothing you can do to make Jesus love you more. That's the story of Christmas. That's how we know we're loved because God in flesh and blood came to live with us. To dwell with us. And, and loves you for who you are as much as he can love you. But he doesn't just... Now, if that were the end of the story with Jesus, that'd be pretty cool, right? I mean, he provides for us and he loves us. It's pretty cool. But here's the deal, because Jesus didn't just come to provide for us and love for us. We understand this last thing we're going to talk about before we transition, that Jesus chose to redeem us. That's why he came. That's the whole purpose for showing up is to redeem us. Now, redeem is a very interesting word, right? Um, if you get something for Christmas you don't like, you can take the receipt back to the store, and you can redeem that for cash or for something different, right? You can swap it out. Redeem, according to dictionary.com, means to buy something back or pay something off. To recover something by payment or some other satisfaction, to exchange or convert something. That's what it means to redeem. And so Jesus... The, the Bible is clear that Jesus chose to redeem us, but that's not how he did it. This is how he did it. Jesus established a forever covenant with humanity. A forever covenant. How did he do that? He bought us. Paid our debt. Went to the cross so that we would not have to suffer 
for our sins, for our mess, for our rebellion. He redeemed us with a forever covenant. So Isaiah paints this picture. It's really interesting, right? So we have the wonderful counselor, right? And we understand the word wonderful is really the word supernatural. So he's our supernatural counselor. Supernatural is beyond our ability to understand, beyond our imagination, that Jesus, you know, did all these amazing things. And when you read about his life, you go, how in the world can we approach someone like that? But we can because he's our counselor. And he's absolutely approachable. He's also our, 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 our mighty God. And we talked about last week, the mighty God is like our champion, that Jesus stood for us, fought for us when no one else would. Jesus came to earth to be our champion. Champion is who's left standing when, when the dust settles. Champion is left standing. When the fight's over, champion is left standing. When no one else, when you can't fight for yourself, the champion fights for you. That's what Jesus did for us. That's why he came into the world for us to champion our cause, and our cause was the cross, and he conquered it. So he's supernatural, yet approachable. He's our, he's our champion of our cause. At the same time, he's a forever dad. All wrapped up into one amazing Jesus. But it's the Prince of Peace that really connects our story with, with his story, right? So the forever covenant is where our forever dad became our prince of peace. This is the bow, the icing on the cake, where it all connects together. So let's talk about peace. Peace is a very interesting thing, right? Everybody wants some peace, right? Um, every Miss America uh, pageant um, contestant uh, wants world peace. Maybe we should put them in charge because they keep asking for it and it's not working out. I don't know. I'm not sure that's a good idea either. But they all want world peace, right? Sounds great. All right, it sounds peace. So what does that mean? What is peace? Some people say peace is the absence of conflict. I will tell you that's not true. Some people say peace is quiet because all you want is a little peace and quiet. You just want people to stop talking. When I need peace and quiet, I get in my car and I drive somewhere. And I stop and I sit. And in Sylvania, it's up there on 301. I stop and I sit. If you ever come by and, and, you, see my, on the, and you see me sitting up there, I'm probably okay. Just sometimes just need a little peace and quiet. But sometimes we need a little noise, right? Sometimes we think peace is the absence of conflict. It's the absence of, of chaos. All right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the story, right? Peace is the absence of chaos. It's the absence of conflict. So when I say Jesus is our Prince of Peace, we need to understand what peace is. So peace is a picture of being complete and whole. Peace has nothing to do with conflict or with chaos. Peace has nothing to do with what's going on outside of you. Peace is not about quiet. It's not about winning a war. It's about being complete and being whole. And the story of Christmas is that Jesus came into the world to make us complete and to make us whole. That's the story. 
Paul says this in Ephesians, is, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus once. You were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. And so we go, but, but that's not what I thought peace was. Peace is, is, you know, being complete and whole. I mean, what's that mean? So if peace is about the absence of conflict or the absence of chaos or the absence of problems, the absence of trouble, think about this. Isaiah prophesied in a time of chaos and conflict and darkness that someone was coming into the world. That was his 700 years. He didn't say when. He just said, down the road, someone's coming in the world. And here's what's going to happen when they show up. Hope's going to show up. Love's going to show up. Joy's going to show up. Mercy's going to show up. Grace is going to show up. But nowhere in the Bible does it say conflict's going to go away, that chaos is going to go away. In a time of chaos and darkness, Isaiah prophesied about Jesus. And then Jesus, well, he was born in a time of darkness and chaos. Rome ruled the world with an iron fist. And basically, they were, Rome, you were either with Rome or they crushed you. That's kind of how it worked. When Jesus was born, because a, a lunatic wanted to find him and kill him, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of little boys were slaughtered. Because Jesus showed up in the world. Stay in a really cool house. He didn't get to go to the hospital. Jesus was born in a barn, which is kind of what that is, which is basically means he was probably put in a cave. And his bed was a feeding trough. And his blanket were the whatever rags they could wrap together. But Jesus didn't come into the world for chaos to end, for conflict to end, for problems to end. In fact, Jesus' arrival in the world created conflict. You ever think about it? Created chaos. His arrival in the world created conflict between life and death, between sin and eternity. His arrival created chaos as people try to explain him away and who he was and what he's all about. I mean, everything about him. In a time of darkness and chaos and conflict, Jesus showed up to make us whole. A forever dad who wants to make us whole. So I want you to picture this. So imagine there's a massive hurricane. You're on the coast and a hurricane's coming. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a cat five. It's going to be a big one. And there's two kinds of people when a hurricane comes, right? There are the people getting out of town, the lunatics that stay. Uh, there's two kinds of people, right? And so... There are people, they got their boats, they're getting them out of the water, they're boarding their house up, uh, you know, you're getting ready because you know when it hits, it's going to be bad. You don't know how bad, but you know bad's coming. They're going to run out of gas, right? Down south, they're going to shut down I-16, everyone's going north, right? Chaos. Because when a hurricane comes, chaos reigns supreme right? Water's raging, 150 mile an hour winds. What I want to do is I'm going to take you out into the water, 20 feet below the surface. 
where the water's absolutely calm, where the fish above are unaware of the storm above. Storms raging, they have no clue. Because they're where the peace is. So here's what I want you to understand, and we're going to talk about this as we wrap up. Christmas is a reminder that peace in the chaos is possible when we draw from the depths of our relationship with Jesus. Peace comes when you dive deep. Being complete and whole comes when you dive deep. Being complete and whole comes when you realize that Jesus is all you got and he's all you need. That the wind may be blowing, the rains may be pouring, Conflict may be awful, the chaos may be out of control, but in the midst of that, there's something about you where you feel peace. I don't mean you're not a little stressed from what's going on around you. I mean you feel peace because you know in the chaos beneath the surface, Jesus is waiting to meet you. That's why I say you, you can pray or you can pray deep, deep, deep water prayers. If you want to dwell in peace, you have to pray deep water prayers. Because that's where the peace is. Conflict's on the surface. Peace is what comes when you dive deep. And that's the story of Christmas. In a time of chaos, in a time of darkness, in a time of conflict, a supernatural counselor who would be our powerful champion, our everlasting dad, would come into the world to make us whole and complete. That's the story of Christmas. That's Isaiah's story. So when Isaiah said a child's going to be born, and this is who he is, he was saying, this is what he's going to do for the world. The question is, as you kind of enter this Christmas season, and we're kind of in this place where we're heading to Christmas and we're getting ready for a new year, are you experiencing any peace in your life? There may be some stuff going on around you. There may be some stuff going on in your life. But if you want to find peace, you got to dig deep. Because that's where the peace is. Because peace is like an anchor. Storms may come, winds may blow. If you're anchored, you're not going anywhere. How do I know Jesus is the Prince of Peace? How do I know that I can trust that when we die, we can dive deep and find him? Because yeah. he loved me so much. He loved heaven. Came to this world, lived like us. Left a mansion for a shack. Lived like us. Lived with some human limitations. Chose to do that. <coughs> Suffered the most horrible death in human history died for me so that I could be complete and whole. Conquered death. So I know there may be conflict and there may be chaos, but Christmas is a reminder that the battle has been fought, the war is over, it's just a matter of when the war officially ends. And that'll be when he comes back. But until then, we have this wonderful season to remind us who he is 
and what he wants to be to you. Lord, we are, um, this season we get so caught up in stuff, we get so caught up in our mess, we get so busy, we get so frantic. We stress over things we can't control. We focus on things maybe we shouldn't focus on. And we have this conflict because Christmas is the most wonderful time of year, but for some people it's not. And we forget that Christmas is about not what's going on here, but who came here into the world. The story of Christmas is that we can be complete and whole in, in you. And I'll bet there's some folks who could use some peace. Who maybe need to reestablish their relationship with you. Maybe need to just dig deep to anchor themselves to you. The winds may blow in our lives and the chaos may come. But the promise of peace, of a forever dad, of a powerful champion, of a supernatural counselor. Before the angels showed up, before the shepherds came to see Jesus, before the wise men traveled, they had a promise of who was to come. And he would make us whole. We're grateful for this season that we celebrate the arrival of God in flesh and blood in our world. We ask these things in Jesus' name.